Hey everybody, and welcome to Enjoy the View. I'm Alex, and today on our panel we have Tessa. Hiya. And Ben. Hello, hello. And our special guest for this episode is Lachlan Miller. Hi, everyone. Lachlan, uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, sure thing. Thanks, Alex. So, hey, everyone. I'm Lachlan. I maintain View Test Utils, so you might have seen me uh, around there in my free time. In my day job, I work at Cyprus, so I'm working on testing tooling by both day and night. And I'm really excited to be here with you guys. Well, we're excited to have you here, too. So, first question, I'm going to ask Ben and Tessa, see what they think. Ooh. If you could test one part of your app, what would you focus on testing? And we can only test one part? Yeah, one part. That's it. That's all you got. You can do one thing. You can test one thing. What do you want to test? I just remembered that Chris has that thing where he's like, test the checkout process so they can give you money. That's not what I'd test, but it just occurred to me. That was a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think Chris has two things. It's it's always it's the thing that allows them to give you money and your login. If you don't test those two things, yep. you don't have an application. You don't got an app. Yeah, but if you could only choose one, Alex. I'd probably choose login. Nice. Because we would notice that we weren't making money pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, okay, that's fair. That's a fair argument. Yeah, my first instinct was to say money. Like, make sure that they can pay us. Yeah, then I can spend the money on the engineers to make the login work. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I was going to say the same thing, actually. I threw together a little website to sell a book a while ago, and I had one end-to-end test, which was just logging in and purchasing the product because that's the most important thing, right? As long as they can log in and give you money, as you said, that's a pretty important part of the app, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's true. I would say so. I think for me, my main interest and focus is has been on like the the user interface itself. So for me, the things, the frequent headaches that I have is like if I need to change something in a component and it's being used in a bunch of different ways in a bunch of different places, or like I don't I don't know where how it's being used or like if it's resizable. So I think for me, I would probably choose to test like the if I had some kind of testing around the the appearance and use cases of the component, like maybe a storybook or something. I don't think storybook itself has testing, but something along those lines where you can see all the components and and run through the different use cases and make sure you didn't break anything whenever you change the components. Yeah, there's a tool called Percy for screenshot testing, uh, visual testing. That sort of thing can be good for, uh, very easy to implement, but you get a lot of coverage. So. Yeah, maybe I'd, I'd consider a screenshot test of the entire kind of main area of my application just to know that that's all working correctly. Yeah, I've heard a lot about Percy, but haven't used it myself. One question that I would have around something like Percy is if it's different to other screenshot testing utilities, which I feel like basically the way it works is it gives you like a text output of the markup of your component, which sometimes, depending on your testing setup, it may not highlight the differences if, say, like the auto-generated hash for your view components changes whenever you rerun the tests. And so then developers might ignore the screenshot changes. And also, I don't think it really helps to account for like, if, for example, you made an input 100% width instead of like 20 pixels, 
does that not work in some places but works in others kind of thing? Sure. Um, you mean like a snapshot test versus an actual uh, screenshot or something like that? Ah, uh, yes. That's probably a good distinction. I was thinking snapshot yeah. and not screenshot. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, like snapshots can be pretty good as well, right? Like a lot of coverage for very little time spent. I think you do have to be somewhat cautious because it's very easy to get complacent and just update the snapshot without really scrutinizing it. But one of the nice things about a tool like Percy is it will actually show you the before and after screenshot. And a lot of the time you have to actually approve the changes for your your pull request to be pass, passing on CI. So it really does block your, your CI from passing until you visually inspect it. And you can actually use uh, a different person in the organization. Maybe the product owner can be involved in the process then. And that's pretty valuable, right? Because that way you have different teams with different sort of priorities all being involved in the quality assurance process, which I think can be pretty valuable. That's an excellent point because I know having worked with snapshot testing in the past, like I have definitely been guilty of like, yeah, I think that looks right, commit. And like, I'm moving on. I have something else to do because it, it is hard, especially looking at the snapshot of just staring at a wall of text being like, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if we think of testing as not just the developer's responsibility, but everyone's responsibility, it's about like quality assurance and confidence. And I think everyone in the organization probably wants to be involved in the quality of their product, right? Which is why kind of visual tests like uh, screenshot can be very useful. Anyone can understand it. It's very easy to interpret. Yeah, we definitely ran into an issue at work the other day where we changed some selector ever so slightly and a bunch of buttons that used to be green suddenly turned yellow. So <laughs> <laughs> that would have been handy to have Yikes. that. And like, that's a pretty big deal, right? Like the color can really change like what the user thinks the button does or even make them enter something erroneously. So like, it seems like a small thing, but it can really blow up uh, from that. So I, not knowing anything about Percy, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about, for example, does it do visual diffing? Uh, Percy? Yeah. Or is it more um, like I'm you not... look at the snapshots and examine it manually yourself to see what's different? I think you examine it manually generally. Um, I haven't used it a ton. I have had it at my companies where I've worked, but it's usually been someone else's responsibility, generally a QA-like uh, position, which I think is great to have a different person from the actual person writing the code to review it because it's easy to miss things in your own, your own code. Uh, but yeah, I think the idea is it just shows two screenshots and you can see, okay, is this change valid or not? And by being able to see the previous state and the new state, it's usually pretty obvious. Nice. That makes sense. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think I read that in on the design side of things, there have been a lot of changes where you can like version control your your visual designs and also like track diffs across them. So I thought if a visual testing tool had that, that would be pretty neat as well. But uh, you bring up another good point, which is I think that there is... Maybe it's a lopsided debate. I don't know that much about it, but I do think that there seems to be some ambivalence over whether someone should test QA their own code or if somebody else should do it. So what are everybody's thoughts there? So at my company, we definitely have a QA team as well as developers writing tests. For a long time, they were very distinct and separate and we're now doing a lot more overlapping where we're saying, hey, 
you know, QA, if there's something that you, every time that we make a change, you go do, just tell us what that is and we'll write that test so that you don't have to do it, right? And sort of, you know, we're, we're working more with QA, I guess, uh, as a developer and trying to write more end-to-end tests using Cypress or testing the components individually. So yeah, that is, that's, that's how we handle it. Ben. From my end, yeah, I know it's it's definitely a tricky subject when it, it because a lot of times you don't want developers to just write code and just toss it to QA to test because then you do create a lot of basically time sort of back and forth um, in that case. So I do think developers should be responsible for trying to you know keep the quality of what they're doing high. But I think part of the problem is the encapsulation of what we often care about as developers when we're building. And so when we're trying to fix a specific problem, we do try our best to account for things and we will try to write tests accordingly. But I think sometimes the mindset in which sometimes you have to think about the end user and what they might do, that is almost a different mindset in itself. So I do think it's important to have someone whose responsibility it is to do that check. So some of that, as Alex said, having some sort of QA team to um, really facilitate that sort of thinking and uh, whether it's sort of penetration testing or just figuring out ways to intentionally break it. You know, because I think developers were focused on fixing uh, I think it is important to have that sort of separation of concerns. Again, to Lawson's point, it's not that everyone shouldn't care about testing. You should. Um, it's just like someone should, in an organization, have a clear ownership and responsibility over that. Yeah, I, I agree. It's obviously developers need to be testing their code as much as they can, both manually and with tests. But I think there's a lot of value in having a third party, whether it's like another developer, QA, product owner, someone else actually going over your change and making sure they're happy with it. Because obviously you test it yourself and you think of everything you can, but there's always going to be things you miss or little use cases you're not aware of. So yeah, I think there's a lot of value in having not only automated tests, but also having uh, manual QA to an extent. It's Cypress and stuff like that is pretty good. You can get a lot of mileage, but I think the role of QA is a little bit different. Automated tests are good for known use cases, right? But there's always going to be these unknown use cases and having someone to do those and the value of that, something like Cypress is it frees up their time to spend on these other more difficult things like exploring new use cases, exploring new features, that sort of thing. Oh, I love that. Yes. What do you think, Tessa? I don't really have any particularly strong opinions or particularly in-depth experience around testing or QA. So one team that I worked on, we had a test automation team. I never understood what the team responsibilities were. I knew that they were not writing tests and they were not QA. What they were, I'm still not sure. Uh, but I did a lot of like Selenium stuff there. I don't remember any kind of like visual QA process. Another team I was on, we had a whole, we had a QA project manager and then like a large overseas QA team. And so I think both with that team and then their successor, which was a single QA engineer. Uh, we would work together to write out these test plans. And then the QA team or engineer would go through the test plans and let us know what they found, like if the test passed or didn't pass. Uh, and then another team that I was on, it was a fairly small team. And the policy there was because we are small and don't have QA, everybody is supposed to QA their own feature. So those are the three different types of experiences that I've had with testing in QA. It sounds like we're all talking about testing in the end-to-end -end sense quite a bit, where you yeah. test a feature, something you can see. 
But then we have the opposite end of the spectrum where you have like these very fine-grained unit tests for very specific functionality, or sometimes you're implementing a feature that doesn't have a, a UI yet. So there's definitely limitations on what you can test both visually and manually. Uh, so on the opposite end of the spectrum to something like Cypress, which is very end-to-end, you have like test utils, the very dedicated library that does one specific thing. And I'm interested in uh, your experience with like doing uh, the different end kinds of tests, like the, the really big end-to-end tests and the more fine-grained tests. Like which ones do you find or you guys find more valuable or which ones do you find like easier to write? Like what are your thoughts around this topic? Because I think it's quite an inter- interesting one. So we definitely write uh, end-to-end tests at work as well as unit tests using view test utils. And we, for a very long time, were pinned at a older beta version of view test utils. So there were definitely some tests that we wrote that we then tried to upgrade and something had changed. So we're still sort of, uh, we've upgraded and we're, we're now back into like the regular flow of updates, but we're still finding things where it's like, oh, this isn't, why is this not working? But it's been good because a lot of the stuff, it makes us think about how to break things up better. If you can individually unit test a thing, it's a that probably means that you have made it small enough. If you are trying to unit test something and you have to write 8,000 lines of unit tests to test this one component, it might be doing too much. And you you may want to think about breaking it up into smaller pieces, right? It's a, it's a good indicator of complexity. But at the same time, the end-to-end tests are great because we can tell when the uh, development server, it, when the development server goes down before the development team knows that the development server has gone down because we're running end-to-end tests and it'll just suddenly stop working completely. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, so it's a great right? indicator for us. Yeah. And that's exactly what you want. You want to know if something's broken uh, immediately before, certainly before it gets to production and if possible, before it even gets merged into trunk or develop, right? So yeah, that's a definitely an interesting perspective on measuring complexity with the kind of test that you write. Uh, there is another library which has become more popular recently called Testing Library. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it, but by Kent C. Dodds, kind of a figurehead in the React testing community. And the State of JS survey actually came out yesterday, I think, or the day before. And they had the testing section. A testing library had an average rating of 97. I'm not sure how they measure that, but I'm guessing the scale is 0 to 100 and 97 being a high level of satisfaction. And I think Cypress was at 94. So those are definitely two of the most popular testing libraries. And the reason I mention this is testing library is sort of in between uh, the test utils of the world and the cypresses of the world. It really focuses on user behavior, but it's still running in a terminal-like environment. So you don't have the full uh, UI or like a real browser, but the trade-off is the tests are easier to write, apparently. I'm not convinced on that, but they're definitely faster to like run and set up. So uh, it's an interesting uh, middle ground. I'm interested to see how that turns out. We actually have view integration for testing library now as well for both view 2 and view 3. So if you are interested in sort of the more end-to-end e-tests, but you don't want to spin up a full browser, I would definitely recommend checking out, checking out uh, Testing Library View, which is running on top of View Test Utils. So you get all of those features plus the extra part of Testing Library as well. 
I will have to look into this. Nice. Where I have I have some side projects where I'm like, I really need to integrate some tests into this. And uh, might one be the of the main problems it solves is, I guess if you use view test utils before, you'll know you have to often wait for next tick for the DOM to update, which is pretty, like it's not what you want to think about when you're writing tests. Testing library has obviously learned from the past experience of libraries like Enzyme that didn't really support these sort of things very well and has a lot of good utilities for uh, waiting for the DOM to update. So you can have like a wait for element and it will wait until your element appears as opposed to something like view test utils where you have to say next tick to make sure the DOM has updated so you can assert your element is present. So I thought that was a pretty nice feature. I've been using it for a few projects recently and it feels pretty good. So definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I think I remember hearing that another feature that stands out about testing library is that it has like accessibility testing built in. So like from the get-go, you're like testing to make sure that your components have some modicum of accessibility features, which I think yeah. is pretty nice. So it's very strong on a philosophy. So they have like recommended ways to do everything. So if you're one of the people that just likes to have a way of doing things and that's how it's done, you can you might find that useful. Test Utils has no opinions at all. It's a very small, simple library, uh, but that can lead you to write um, unideal tests depending on your ideals. But I guess the testing library team have decided how they like to write tests. And if you agree with that philosophy, uh, it's pretty nice because they have, like they even have a list of selectors you can use in recommended order. So for example, as Tessa mentioned, they will recommend you use the accessibility selectors first. So if you want to click on a button, you might find it using the role attribute which would make sure your application is not only usable by a uh, regular user, but also by someone on a screen reader or with vision impairment, which is pretty cool, right? It's something we often forget about as developers. So being able to get accessibility testing for free or being able to be exposed to it more is definitely uh, something I like about the library. I mean, speaking of the state of JavaScript, I was a little sad to see that Ava was so low because I remembered a few years ago, I really wanted to try it because I was like, oh, I like the space theme on their website. <laughs> My impression looking from the outside in is that the testing library philosophy seems to be quite different from the Cypress testing philosophy, which also seems to be quite strong. And I'm basing that entirely off of like Kent being very, very outspoken about what things he thinks should be and should not be tested. And then I saw Glib from Cypress once talk about like an inverted testing hierarchy or something. So I'm curious what people's thoughts are on that. Yeah, like how do you decide where your priorities lie in terms of which tests should you focus the most of your time and energy on? Uh, sure, that's a really good one, for sure. On the idea of like philosophy, as you were saying, something like test utils is good because it has lots of different things for different use cases. For example, it has a shallow amount feature if you want to focus on unit tests, it has a mount feature if you want to render the entire component. Uh, things like testing library in Cypress will be more opinionated. They'll just be like, you can only mount, you cannot shallow mount because uh, we want to make our, our test as much like the user sees it in a browser. But uh, as it comes to deciding what to test, I think there was a time where I try and get 100% test coverage. I wanted to have every line with like the coverage and make sure everything was tested. But I ended up with a lot of duplicated tests and also I ended up spending quite a lot of time for not a huge uh, benefit. So I think that the most important thing is you're confident in your app. So everyone's going to have a different version of confidence, but 
I would say if if you have a feature and if it breaks and it would cause a bad thing to happen to your business, you probably want to have a test around that, right? So I would just think about in terms of my confidence and how I would feel if my users were exposed to this breakage. So that's probably how I try and think nowadays from a user perspective as opposed from a developer perspective. Yeah, I'm thinking about just sort of, I know that I've been taught the hierarchy of testing where it's you have the you have very few end-to-end tests and then you have more integration tests and then you have a lot of unit tests and do you agree? what do you think <laughs> i don't know i think it depends on like what the application is right uh, i think that it's you know unit testing components is good if you're like okay i'm going to put in this information and I'm expecting it to when like if I click a button inside of it that it's going to pop this information back out right like that's a very atomic test you don't need to instantiate the entire application to test that one thing and so for that unit tests are fantastic right but at the same time we're t- if we're talking about testing view and testing um, user interfaces then yeah you're never going to necessarily interact as a user with that component in that way. So I think leaning more towards end-to-end tests is a better thing, especially when we're talking about interfaces for users. Similarly, if you were doing, if you had an API rather than, you know, doing a full end-to-end test, you know, the thing that you should be focusing on with your API, if that's the thing that you're supporting, I would say doing the integration test where you say, I'm expecting this API endpoint to have this information. You may not care about how the user interacts with it, but you do care that the data comes in and out correctly. So I think it really depends on what your focus is. As people who make user interfaces, I would think it's probably better to focus more on how the user interacts with it. I think I find myself perhaps a little bit biased towards or leaning into this idea that EDE is better or end-to-end is better just because like, I think when we describe tasks as user stories, I feel like that kind of has a nice parallel with when we think about something like end-to-end testing where there's an involved list of processes versus like with unit tests. To me, it's a little bit more obscure how, how to decide what to test. But then on the other hand, I think because they're less brittle, it's it's hard for me to tell if we end up with this idea of having most tests be unit tests because they're less painful to write and keep updated or because they are serving whatever our ultimate purpose for testing is, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with that path of, path of least resistance uh, for the sort of point you made. I think a lot of people are big on unit testing because they're so easy to write. Like you just generally install whatever, test utils, something like that, and it just works. There's not very much setup involved. When you have an end-to-end test, you probably need a server, you probably need a database, you probably need all these different things, and it's just a lot of stuff to do. Obviously, there's value there, but I mean, if you need to make sure you have a good environment to write the test, once you do, it's really easy. But a lot of the time, especially for existing applications that have not been written with testing in mind, can be really difficult to get uh, end-to-end pipeline setup that's actually reliable. And I think that turns people off a lot. Another interesting way I kind of think about it is I often use unit tests to drive my development. So they're a development tool, but the end-to-end tests are much more a quality tool. So 
I think they also serve different purposes as well and both have their place. I, I think another thing that end-to-end tests or unit tests are actually really good for is you're also testing the developer interface, right? So end-to-end tests are... As a user, I expect this thing to happen. I go on a page, it does a thing, it loads its data, blah, 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 right? And with unit tests, it's as a developer, I expect this component to behave this way when I use it. And so it's it's the mindset of who is using the thing. So with unit tests, I may not necessarily be testing the interface. I'm more likely to be testing the developer interface. So it should give me an error if it's missing this prop. It should, you know, be emitting this type of an event, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So then I can be sure that if I, if somebody goes in and goes, you know, actually we should really rename this event uh, to something else. I have a test that says no, <laughs> right? Like you, you need to be able to, like if somebody just inadvertently goes, I'm just going to replace all my click events with like double click events. No, you can't do that. You need to, you really need to make sure that it's working correctly. So that's sort of the other mindset that I'm into is that you need to be testing the interface that you're trying to talk to, basically. I like that, actually, testing the developer interface. It's kind of like documentation in a way. Like if you have one very focused unit test, it's like the unit test clicks the button. It's this one thing that it does and you know what it does. And that can be very useful to a developer, especially if you have a component where it's very complex with, uh, many different props. Uh, something that comes to mind to me is, is Beautify. It's uh, probably the most popular component library for Vue. And it's huge. There's so many features. But as a result, can be pretty difficult to know what's going on and what all the features are. So having good unit tests can kind of document what the components can do, which is a good another kind of bonus, right? You get test coverage and you get documentation at the same time. So r- well-written tests serve uh, multiple purposes in that sense. I think what's tricky when it comes to the what to test question is a lot of times it depends on what mindset you're in. So I talked a little bit about this earlier regarding like the developer mindset. And so I think a lot of times we fail to understand like the fact that it's like feeling productive versus being effective are two very different things. And with testing, I think they conflate very easily, right? Because if you get 100% test coverage, that might feel very productive. But as we sort of half joked about earlier, it might not be effective for your app's bottom line if, say, you're, you have critical paths that end up failing. So I know that like, as developers, to Lachlan's point, it can be very expensive and we may not even have the, call it the influence to like, get the resources we need to set up proper end-to-end testing and et cetera. But you can, I, I usually like to refer to the Pareto effect when I make these decisions. Like, What's the 20% of effort I can do to get 80% of output? And I try to apply that to a critical path. If you can do that, again, even if you're a developer, you can't affect the whole stack. But this is where, like, if you can affect the unit test and find out the most critical unit test that can impact 80% of those use cases. And if you keep at it that way, I think that's how you can drive the most impact on your organization, regardless of what level you're at. I definitely like the idea of focusing on the 80%. Because, yeah, if you can get a decent amount of coverage, maybe, or not just testing in general, uh, testing, but in general, like, it feels like 80% can get you most of the way there. The last 20% can be a lot of work for uh, diminishing gains, right? So, yeah, I think there's a lot of value in being kind of pragmatic there and just seeing like what can I do with the given time and resources? What's uh, the most value I can get here? And at least for me, when I have 
a very limited time. I feel like a few end-to-end tests that just go through everything is the best way to spend my time because at least you know that, as you said, like the basic things are working. You can log in, you can purchase a product. And a lot of the time, uh, if your app is not so complicated, that's probably good enough at least for it's better than nothing, right? And it can help give you that confidence that at least you're not going into production with a completely broken stack. I think to switch tracks back to unit testing for a bit, one thing that I always struggle with is testing the Vuex store and mocking out the different parts of Vuex when I need like Vuex stuff in my unit test for my component. So I was wondering what everybody's favorite resources when they're writing the Vuex tests are and how to mock all those things out without too much friction. For me, when it comes to testing things like Vuex, I've actually, I don't think I've ever written a test to try to mock it out because I think this is where I fall a little bit more in the Cypress philosophy of like, I really just want to click the button and I want to see the output. I haven't needed or wanted to test it at the level where like, I want to make sure a mutation is committed and then this thing triggers because I guess for me, like I've usually gone the sort of minimalist level route when it comes to testing. So if it doesn't happen at the end user part, like regardless of what happens in the middle, like it's that kind of like that declarative imperative programming bit where it's like, I don't really care exactly how it does it. I want to make sure it's at the end result. Now, I, I know that people need it, but that's just been my experience with how I approach that kind of thing. Yeah, I personally don't tend to mock when I can avoid it. So I'm happy to use a real Vuex store in my tests. I have no problem with that. I have had the experience where I had a very complex action that did a ton of pre-processing on data before it would send it to a server, for example. It turned out that ripping that out of the action and writing a unit test was really valuable because there was many, many edge cases. And to test if a data transformation is happening, it didn't make a ton of sense to mount this component and dispatch this action. So I have extracted that logic out before. But yeah, in terms of like testing my view components in their relationship with Vuex. I think I personally am happy to have a real Vuex store. I know there are people that have massively complicated Vuex stores that for that reason don't use a full store in their tests because it's impractical, apparently. Um, I haven't had that experience, but there are probably massive apps out there that I haven't worked on that uh, have a different sort of backstory. But yeah, I think a good rule of thumb is the more you can test your application or your apps uh, in a production-like manner, it's going to be better. So if you can avoid mocking something, I think you get a little bit more coverage and probably minimize the amount of tests you need to write. I mean, I want to push on that a little bit though, right? Like if your Vuex store is so massive that like you can't bring it in, it almost feels like that's a little bit of a code smell, right? As like how much you're basically relying on Vuex to sort of carry everything. Mm -hmm. um, so you think like... like a, uh, maybe extracting some state out of it and keeping it in a local component or something like that? Yeah, or just like more modularization around it. Like, I feel like if I were to run into that situation, it just seems like something mm. could be architected differently because it's not like they just relied on the Vuex to carry everything around the app sure. rather than being more intentional with, yeah. around modular design patterns. And I'm well, hoping that with Vue 3, you know, like people will start to see, think of state a little bit more differently and not as some sort of like global monolith that Vuex carries everywhere. Yeah, um, but we, I guess we'll for see. Sure. So then let's say you are working on one of those apps that uses the store as like this giant container or, or vehicle or bus, if you will, to carry state around the whole app. And your store relies on a, making a lot of external API calls and you need to test 
a component that uses data from that, how would you go about testing that, whether you mock or don't mock, either way? So in our code base, we have a lot of Vuex modules, and that allows us to use the real Vuex module but we don't need to bring in the entirety of Vuex, right? We don't have to bring in the entire store. So when we're writing the test, we have a way of mocking, not mocking, but creating a localized Vuex for that set of tests that has just the module or modules that we need. And then the component will function correctly with that or with without that. We also write unit tests for our Vuex modules as well, because once again, it's a developer interface. And so we are wanting to make sure that we test that when we put in things, we want to make sure that we get back the thing that we're expecting as a developer. So our, our mindset is a little bit different. And part of that is that we have multiple sort of, we have one giant application, but like there's multiple pages that do completely separate, separate things. And you may be using the same data across multiple sub pages, but we've chosen to make it so that it's easy for us to test specific things. And we've sort of, we've, we've made some, extra helpers to say, okay, cool. When you want to get data, here is a thing you can use and it will give you all of your helpers. So then we only have to test that the data fetching works once and we don't have to go and test that the data fetching works in every single module. We can go, hey, this thing works. So it'll work here. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty reasonable compromise to me. Um, I did have an experience of working on one app where it had many Vuex modules, but they all depended on each other. So like one, there was one module called auth, I think, and it would have all the authentication state and it was just referenced everywhere. So if you wanted to create one module, you had to have auth and then you had to have this other module. And it was this kind of big spiraling complexity where everything was coupled together. So I think that's the kind of problem people have had. And that's why they t tend to mock out certain things because Otherwise, you're trying to write a test for something that's completely unrelated and it just gets really difficult. I mean, there are limitations if your app is architected in that, that manner, right? Which is one of the nice things about unit tests is they tend to reveal these patterns much better than end-to-end -end tests do. But yeah, there is certain complexity there that sometimes you can't really work around. But generally, yeah, if you can, as Alex said, keep everything nice and kind of separated, it is possible to create a Vuex store with not the entire Vuex store, right? Just the module you're interested in. And that can be a pretty good kind of place to meet when you're writing your tests. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoy the views.